Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. Excited to be back chatting with you this week about the subject of human design. I mean, doesn't that just sound delicious? Human design, the design of a human being. Now, we might think of that like DNA or the orchestration of our physiology, but this this specific uh, form of human design, I've always been really interested in. It's a, It's basically a... I want to say like an archetypal sort of tool of looking at like how we're structured and how our different personalities are shaped, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to learn a lot about it today and in the context of relationship. So human design, just to give you a little quick pro quo, is a synthesis of ancient wisdom, astrology, the I Ching, the chakras, the Kabbalah. Uh, with modern science, so quantum physics and genetics. What? Are you kidding me? So it's like a mashup. It's a mashup of all the things. And so the person in, that I have on the podcast today is Erin Claire Jones, who's an expert in human design. She's a leadership coach. And, uh, you know, she works with companies and leaders. And she also got to work with me. I got to work with her is the right way to say it today. I got to work with her today. And we get we got chat about human design, all the things. I love it. I think it's a really cool way when you get to do yours to understand like what makes up who you are and why do you have the intricacies you do? I'm always fascinated by that. When someone asks you like, what time were you born and what day, what city, things like that. And then they give you this chart and you're like, no, that's unfortunately oddly accurate, but I have a hard time believing that because the moon was in Venus and the, I don't know, the sun was in some other place that that's why I'm gregarious or a Scorpio or whatever it is, right? And so this was really fascinating. I know a lot of people who subscribe to human design. And so we have the pleasure of the expert. I wanted to take a quick break in this episode to talk to you about the greatest struggle that people have in dating. And that is asking the right questions. And not just the right questions, but asking hard questions. Questions that determine if someone wants what you want yeah, what you are, what your relationship status is, that that deepen vulnerability and intimacy. And ultimately, asking the right questions allows you to get to know someone on a deeper level, gets to know their values, get to know whether they're a good fit for you. Now, I recognize that when I get feedback on asking questions, people say, that's too hard to ask, or it's too soon to ask that, or whatever the excuse or thought or feeling or fear might be. And so I thought, shit, let me ask the hard questions. And that's why I created Create the Love Cards. Create the Love Cards is created with such intention for you to deepen your conversations on dating. And because of that, the deck, when you open it up, it fits two smartphones. So you can put your phone inside the box as you take the cards out so you can both be present. Now, if someone doesn't want to play, I'm like, swipe left. That's a red flag. Like, who doesn't want to play a game? Second... I've got it in four sections. So we've got foreplay, diving deeper, too much information, because would it be a deck from me if it didn't have TMI, and building chemistry. So there's four sections for you to explore the landscapes of one another and see if you're a good fit. If you want to have deeper conversations, if you want to take this deck of cards on your dates or on your date night, or you think this would be a good gift for a couple, then go to createthelove.com slash cards. I put them at a really accessible price of 30 bucks, 
and I can't wait for you to check them out. They've received rave reviews. People are loving them. I have actually one friend who took them out on its second date with someone that she was hitting it off with. And after she got the answers to the questions that the deck provided, she realized that this person was not a good fit and swiped left and now is in a relationship with someone she loves. So that's what dating is about, is it's about filtering. And also my intention is to support you along that journey to not just finding the person that you want, but if you're with them, asking the questions that help create and deepen intimacy. So go to createthelove.com slash cards and grab a set now. Erin Claire Jones on the podcast today. Here she is. And we're going to talk about something that's new for me, human design. I mean, what is that? Because I'm sure everyone <laughs> listening, there's probably a few people who are like, duh. But <laughs> what is it? Tell me more. Yeah. So human design is a system that is based on your exact time, date, and place of birth. And the idea is that it gives you your energetic DNA. So it helps you understand how you're meant to work in partnership, in relationships, cultivate teams, literally all the things. And it honestly, more than anything, gives us permission to be ourselves. I think that just for context, there are about 2 billion different configurations. So it really just gives us clarity on like- 2 billion? 2 billion, yeah. So it just like helps us. And there are five types, high level. So like there are higher level distinctions, but it really just helps us understand how different each person is and how to kind of best support our own differences, but also really kind of honor the differences in those around us. That's really cool. So how does, how did it get created? Totally mystical, crazy stories. So um, the idea is that it draws from a lot of different systems. So astrology, Kabbalah, the I Ching, the chakra system, quantum physics, genetics, like all the things. But um, the founder, his name was Ra Uhuru Hu. He's no longer alive. But in 1987, That's he was- name. Such a good name. He was in Ibiza and he was walking home one night and basically heard a voice. And the voice was like, it's time to work. And so for eight days and eight nights, he channeled the system, meaning he literally just like received information and then spent the next 20 years building it out. And I think part of what I love about human design is that even though the background feels like so esoteric and so woo-woo, the information itself is like so grounded and so tactical and so specific. And so much of my work is like with companies. So it's always so funny sharing that story because they're like, what in the world? And then they hear the information. They're like, you know, I don't actually care where it comes from. So I think for me, what's been the most important is like whether or not the information is helpful. And in my experience, it's been so helpful. Yeah, it's interesting because as someone who's both worked on the receiving end in the corporate world of like different models and then also taught, done some, do consulting of businesses. It's so fascinating of, uh, I remember being, in the space of doing uh, Myers-Briggs and all of those. Yeah. So really, you know, I'm, I can't imagine that the history of Myers-Briggs that someone was walking through the streets of Ibiza and, chan- and channeled, uh, you know, but it's, a, as you said, it's about the value of rings and the, yeah. you know, it's even like astrology for people can be very, it can organize um, how we see ourselves in a certain way. You know, it makes yeah. the world make sense. And Everyone I know who does human design is like, oh my God, yeah, this is so true. And this, and you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I'm excited too. And I think also often my experience with people is that it's not telling them stuff they don't know. It's like all the stuff that they do know and haven't really allowed themselves to step into. So it's exactly what you said. It just gives people like the framework, the language and the tools. So human design, where do you start with people? So generally I start with the type. So there are about five different types high level. You want to start there? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. And have you ever like learned your human design, like gone into yours specifically? No. Should we do okay. it through mine or how do I think you do this? 
Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. We'll do the general, but we'll also go through yours. And I was just like laughing because I looked it up this morning and like the one very powerful strength, which we can talk about in a little bit is like the strength of intimacy and like creating intimacy with people. And so it's just like, given the work that you do, it's so amazing that like, that's the one thing that's like, just like so intense and beautiful in your design. So we can go into that mm, in a little bit. That's cool. Um, so high level, we have generators, manifesting generators, projectors, reflectors, and manifestors. And so, and do you want to hear it all like for the context of relationship, just general, does it matter? I mean, context of relationship is probably quite relatable for people. So maybe it could be like, whatever brings you wherever it brings you. Okay, great. So we have manifesting generators and generators first, and you are a generator. And so basically manifesting generators and generators in combination are the people that really have like the energy and the life force to kind of build and create and make things happen. They are here to like wake up in the morning with a full tank of energy to use up their energy in super satisfying ways throughout the day and then kind of crash and wake up recharge. They haven't kind of fully exhausted their tank. They might feel restless when they go to bed or even just depleted because they're not actually using their energy in a way that feels good. And so the most important thing, whether it's in relationship and business, is that you're so lit up by how you're using your energy. And the, the more you basically are using your energy in ways that you enjoy, the more you're creating energy for everyone around you. And so it's just like so of service to the world to really be honoring your own desires and having very strong boundaries. For both of these types, they're really meant to allow life to come to them. So it's not about like chasing mm. after people are trying to make things happen. It's just like your strategy is magnetism. You basically like are meant to attract things to come to you and kind of like tune into your gut to know what you're available for and what you're not. And even when that comes to like dating, it's like, just like you see someone at a party and you like get a gut response and you feel activated, like that's the permission to go initiate, but you're basically waiting for something to trigger gut response before you make a move. Um, and the difference between the two is that manifesting generators often thrive when they have their energy in a lot of things at once. These people are very kind of multi-passionate by nature and doing all the things. These are my clients that are like, I'm a mom, I'm a yoga teacher, I'm a lawyer. Like their magic is in not doing just one thing and having a very non-linear path, but so often they've been made to feel wrong for that or like they're doing too much, but they actually need that level of stimulation. Whereas for generators, it's often about mastery. It's like going really deep into a thing then when it's time to kind of move on and pivot. So there's generator and manifesting generator. Correct. And the yeah. difference between those two? The difference with the two is that just like, I mean, at the heart, they're very similar because like these are just like our energy beings, the ones that have the energy to kind of make things happen. But manifesting generators often thrive when they have their energy in a lot of things at once. So kind of very uh, passionate doing a lot of difference. things. That's the difference. And generators are more like, I'm going to go deep into this one thing and master it then like on to the next one when it's time. That makes sense. Yeah. And how does the strategy of like magnetism, of letting things come to you, how does that feel to you? I mean, it feels like a constant reminder of just like surrender, stop trying to force the world, just stop trying to force anything and recognizing that things that are in flow just come. You don't have to, you know, I just think of it like in the context of how Abraham Hicks speaks about things that you just sort of flow with the stream, let the stream mm -hmm. carry you mm -hmm. and anything that feels like you're swimming upstream, like <laughs> you have to force, let go. And I have to be reminded of that sometimes, you know? Totally, you know, and especially I think as generators and manifesting generators, like there's this amazing creative energy to like build and create and make things happen. But it really is knowing that like to know that those are actually the right uses of your energy, like it kind of requires that it comes to you first rather than you kind of pushing after it and trying to make something happen. And often people experience a whole lot more resistance when they do. Yeah, I, that's definitely true. Like when I do something that doesn't resonate with my gut or like feels like, hmm, it's not an in integrity with me. Yeah. Uh, if I do it, it's like the universe is just going to give me a nice two by four to the head to remind me I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like I knew before that I shouldn't have done it. I get reminded of that a lot. And I, I think in the context of my work that, I mean, I'm 
certainly been able to create anything I want when I want to, like really go into it and really dive. I mean, who knew, you know, I don't even know, 14 years ago when I was going through a breakup, I'm like, I want to learn about relationships. And then it became, (laughs) I want to talk about relationships. And then, you know, just seeing how everything sort of serendipitously comes together when you're in your greatest strengths, when you're actually listening. But i that's one of the biggest challenges. The world teaches you not to trust yourself. The world teaches you who to be, yeah. um, as opposed to letting yourself be who you are. It's a lot of work to undo. Mm-hmm. And like, it was so funny. I was talking to a friend earlier today and he's been working with his human design for a couple of years. And he's just like, Aaron, I feel like all I've been doing is just like unlearning all the things I thought I was supposed to be. And I feel like I'm finally back and like who I'm just meant to be. And I'm trusting myself. And like, he's just like, I mean, the opportunities manifested have been like insane, you know, but it's just been so cool because I think it really like human design has taught me more than anything that like, we've got to make one aligned decision at a time. And that will take us all the way there. Like we can't really architect our future, try to control it. It's like, this thing feels right. This lights me up. Okay. Like onto the next one. And like the rest will kind of unveil itself. So you want to hear about projectors next day? Yeah, let's do projectors. So projectors are really the ones that are here to kind of be like the advisors, the leaders, the guides, the teachers. They don't really have that same consistent access to energy as generators and manifesting generators do. I'm a projector and our energy operates much more in ebbs and flows. It's like up and down, up and down. Like the kind of joke is that we're meant to work like three hours a day, which I know is not always feasible, but it's just kind of trusting that your worth is not in like how hard you're working, how much you're doing, but really in your perspective and the way that you see the world it's so important for projectors to give themselves permission to kind of take rest. You know, I think having my partner is a generator and, you know, we travel to a new city and he's like got the energy to go explore. And like, I just know I have to like lay down for four hours before I can do anything. And just like, I understand the difference in kind of like how much energy we have has been so useful. The recommendation for projectors, especially, although I kind of believe it's true for all types, it's true for definitely manifestors and reflectors too, is that you're designed to kind of sleep in your own energy in your own bed. I don't know if you've done much work around that, but the idea is that we take in so much energy when we sleep next to someone else and it becomes a a little bit easier to wake up as ourselves when we're waking up in our own bed and in our own energy. So in relationship, do you like get a separate projector bed? Uh, well, we just have our own bedrooms, you know? Ah, ah. Yeah, not like a special projector bed, but more just like your own. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I like that idea though. <laughs> um, more I think you like, could partner with Casper and get a projector <laughs> bed. <laughs> um, just your own space that you can return to. And like, it's obviously not... A very, you know, there's a lot of stigma around having your own spaces. Um, but I think in general, and I, I never encourage people to do it if they're not drawn to it, but I think that we do take in so much energy when we sleep and sleep can be a very precious time to just like let go of all the stuff that's not ours. Yeah. It's true though, that there is, I guess, like a judgment or, uh, yeah. uh, that like what couples sleep in separate beds, like what's happening there. And you're like, actually, we just have great boundaries, <laughs> you know, like we have great, we honor each other's needs and, does yeah. he want to sleep in a bed with you? Well, it's funny because like, it wasn't even me being like, I want my own bedroom. Like he's had this vision since he was like five years old. He's always just like, yeah, we'll have our own spaces. Like we have our own identities. And the thing is like, we do sleep together. We just choose when to, you know, like uh, our, like we slept together last night. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like our default is having our own spaces that we can return to. But like, we just like actually are so excited when we do get to sleep together because we're choosing it, you know? So, and especially in this time of quarantine, like it's just been, I think really good to have our own space. So. Yeah, he's yeah, very much true. like, I mean, we just, and like we traveled for two months last year. We, you know, we shared it by the entire time. Like we have no problems sleeping together, but like we really do prefer to have our default be our own space. Yeah, well, it shows you when we take away the meaning that we put behind things Yeah, uh, that we can be like, oh, those are two people who honor each other. Oh, yeah. oh, and it's not about any stories we make up about it or anything like that. 
I just think as a generator, I'm like, hmm, yes. generating. I'm like, I think I'd want to generate together in the same bed, but totally, you know, I get totally. it. I get it. It's um, a little bit less for them, you know? And again, like I encourage people to tune into it, but it is different, you know? And I think, so the strategy for us as projectors is basically waiting to be recognized and invited in. So, and that's true in business and relationship and all the things. And so not initiating, but basically waiting for someone to kind of recognize your uniqueness, see you for it and invite you in to share it. Um, you don't need an invitation when it comes to like, you know, moving to a new city or like creating art, but when it involves like, like marrying someone, living with someone, dating someone, working with or for someone, like that's where that invitation piece is so key. So that was like a big piece and kind of really transformed my life when I really learned what the invitation meant. Oh, that's cool. Okay. What's the next one? Then we've got manifestors. So manifestors are the ones that are here to initiate. These are basically people that are really here to like get things started, get the ball rolling, like make the first move, whether that comes to dating, business, any of the things. Um, and the idea is like, they need a lot of freedom and autonomy and control. They're very much here to do things on their own terms and in their own way and not here to be kind of controlled by anyone else. So definitely not by a partner, you know, like you never want to control a manifestor partner or try to like micromanage them or in business. And they tend to be very naturally provocative in their energy. My encouragement for them is to always stand so unapologetically tall and like who they are and just trust that by doing that, they're going to attract the right people and probably trigger others. But that's such a natural part of their process. And so their strategy is all about initiating. So making the first move, but also about informing. Like once they made a decision, it's so important that they keep the people around them like abreast of what they're choosing and when. If they're not informing, people can become very resistant and become very suspicious. So like if you are a manifestor, I just encourage you to practice. Like, you know, if you're getting up from the dinner table, being like, I'm going to the bathroom. You know, if you're gonna like stay at work late, like I'm coming home late, you know, just like a constant practice of letting people know what you do before you do it just creates so much more ease in your relationships and in your life. So is it essentially like these are very purpose-driven, very uh, like whatever it is that they're in love with and they're unapologetic about that they maybe have a harder time being conscientious of uh, the other archetypes and ways of being? Yeah, I think that like they're just so in their own flow. Um, that they might not always be aware of it. And also like their energy is very strong. And so more than any other types, it's just like people are going to feel them if they're just like doing something and not informing. And so it just like kind of softens their energy in a really beautiful way when they just like communicate. And like the one thing is like, they're never meant to like ask for permission or even like explain themselves. It's just like, I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, they're very much like kind of on their own path. It's interesting to think of, uh, I find in relationship, we have a hard time being open to someone else being a certain way or needing a certain thing because we're so busy wanting our need and our way of being to be recognized. Yeah. You know, like I, I have a hard time just giving someone space to be, you know, in their manifestation. What, yeah. what was this person in called? A manifestor? Right. In their flow because it takes away from the acknowledgement that I need them, you know, like whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And I think what these types of things, these types of structures or ways of organizing things teach us is that we stand proud in how we identify, but it's so important that we honor the way other people identify. 100%, you know, and I think that like, I work with a lot of couples or business partners because I think we get so tripped up when we expect people to be different than what they are, more similar to us. And mm -hmm. I think when we just like human design, just like surfaces all the differences. So we just are like, oh, like you communicate this way. Like I need this, you know, like just like a small example, like my partner and I have like pretty opposite designs in literally all the ways. And like, <laughs> you know, he operates best when I ask him, and this would actually be true for you too. Like you have a very strong gut response, which you might talk about in a little bit, but basically instead of asking you like an open-ended question, like if I want an answer from you, it's good to ask you like very specific questions and give you things to respond to. So like, if I ask my partner, like where he wants to go to dinner, he's just like, 
I don't know, Aaron, but if I'm like, do you want to like make salmon or like cook sweet potatoes? Like he just like immediately has a gut response. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a way to just kind of like bypass and get him straight out of his mind and into his gut. Hmm. Does that make sense? Literally, literally. yeah. I get literally, it. you know, literally. and like, and also it's like, you know, he makes decisions in the moment. I need a whole lot more time. Like there's just so many little differences like that have been so useful to understand them. So we don't make each other wrong for them. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. And then we have reflectors. And so reflectors are the last type. Reflectors are basically, they're 1% of the population, so much more rare. And these are people that are kind of like our collective mirrors. They're basically kind of taking in everything in their environment and mirroring it back. So you really get a good sense of like how a relationship's doing or a company or a team or a family just by how that reflector is showing up. So one of the best things that you can do as a reflector is just choose to be in physical spaces that feel good to you because you're going to mirror back whatever space you're in. So if you're like going out to dinner with your like reflector partner and like the restaurant doesn't feel good, like you got to go, like that you've got to like, they've got to be in a space that feels good. Um, and also for reflectors, it's really good to have partners that are a little bit more consistent because reflectors are very fluid. They're like in a periods where they feel like a manifest or like a manifesting generator, like a generator, like a projector. So their work is to not put themselves into any box, but really like allow themselves to kind of be everything and be a little bit surprised by like how they feel every day because they're going to feel different around different people and in different environments. And the last piece I share about them is that because they kind of reflect back whatever is happening in their environment, if like you are partnered with a reflector and like not really dealing with any of your stuff, they're going to mirror back to you like wherever you're at. So it's really healthy for you if you have a reflector partner to just like really healthily deal with like your emotions and what you're feeling and process your stuff because like it's going to give your reflector partner such more like more beautiful things to kind of reflect back to you. I think of like the literal term projector and then reflector. It feels like those two together would give you some sort of Wait, projecting means what again? So projectors are the ones that are here to kind of be like the leaders, the guys, the advisors, not here to do all the doing, but they have a very penetrating and intense energy. So they can kind Mm -hmm. of like penetrate into people and make them feel very seen and recognized. But if people aren't ready for it, they're going to back away, which is why you need the invitation. So are there any combinations that work of couples versus not? Or like, I I mean, I've never been like, hey, Sagittarius can't go with Pisces or whatever people say, um, because I'm sure there's a construct, but uh, there's a construct for everybody to mix and mingle. Yeah. But I guess it's being mindful of the specificity or the ways of being each person is. But is there like a, a guide Combo. or a thought? Yeah. yeah. I think that like, you know, I've had people be like, can we like create dating apps? And like, you know, I mean, similar to you, like I would never say like, okay, I'm like looking for a generator. Like, because like the thing is you like need the chemistry first. Like my recommendation is like, once you really feel like you like have the chemistry with someone, like then it's beautiful to sit down and kind of look like, how can we really honor those differences and like better understand each other? So I think that like, I always recommend it kind of once you already are attracted to each other. I think in general, if you're with somebody that's of like a similar type or maybe a similar way of making decisions, like there's just going to be like a foundation of friendship, just like a resonance. It's just like, I just get you, you know, if you're like with me, with a partner that's very different, it's just like, we are so different, but like, that's what creates the attraction. Like we're so attracted to things that are different than us. So like, I think that we, because we know what those differences are, differences are, it makes our life like a lot easier. But yeah, I think in general, with a similar type, it can be great. There's so many other pieces to our design that can talk about like, oh, like, is your relationship like held together, like very tightly? Or is there a lot of space to kind of go out and explore? Like where are areas in which like who sets the emotional tone of the relationship? Who like sets the communication dynamics? So like there's a lot of clarity you can get because you can literally layer two charts on top of each other and kind of see how they interact as a composite. Mm, That'd be so interesting because of course, then you think about, okay, well, how does their family system influence how they show up to you and what they've been through in their life? Mm -hmm. Um, Does Is this thought to take into account, like based on where you're born, what time you're born and all that kind of stuff. Is it taking into account 
what that means in terms of your life trajectory. So is it taking into account like your family system and that type of stuff? Not as much because it really isn't like predicting our future at all. Like it doesn't, it's more just like, this is kind of like your operating system, like your energetic DNA. Like this is how you can navigate through life with a lot more ease, but like it doesn't at all speak to, you know, what it's going to look like specifically. Like you can look at people's designs and be like, you know, like they might, like some people are here to like learn through experimentation. Like for you, for example, it's like, you're like the third, this is something called your profile, but like the first 30 years of your life are meant to be like a time of like real experimentation, like bumping into things, making mistakes, just like not a time to make huge commitments, but like just like learning. Oh, that that excuses my whole first 30 years. <laughs> first 30 I really years. like that. And so the idea then like the 30 to 50 where you're in now is kind of a time of like stepping back, just like becoming a real source of guidance for people and like processing all the things that you've learned. And just like the idea is that you're actually meant to hit your prime when you turn 50. And it doesn't mean that there's anything to wait for. It just means that like you your wisdom kind of becomes so embodied um, by then. So there's things like that, like you and I have the same profile. So it is like, you know, kind of those three phases, but it doesn't really speak to like specifics. Okay. So let's take a note. What does my profile say? Because I'm sure people listening are like, all right, well, we kind of know Mark. So let's. Okay. So you are a 6'2 profile for those looking. And if you want to look up your design, there's lots of links online, but my website's at aaronclairjones.com slash look up. And we talked about the type. And so the profile, so the six is the piece that I mentioned. It basically means that like, you're really here to be a role model. You're here to just like model what it means to like live a very authentic life. And you have those three phases. And the idea is that like, when you kind of hit your prime, when you turn 50, it's not like you're like telling people what to do. Like you're just inspiring authenticity by like just being yourself. Like it's just like such an embodied and kind of grounded wisdom. The two in your profile means that there's like a very natural hermit nature to your design. It means it's really good to have time alone to just do your own thing in your own time. And you're very much designed to be a natural at what you do. You're not really designed to do the things that like feel super hard or feel super challenging, but doing the things that come like very easily and very naturally to you. I think that for me, I like really made myself wrong for that. It's like, can I really get paid for this thing? It just like feels like it's just like coming so easy to me, but like, it's just like, that's actually exactly what we're meant to pursue. Um, How does that land for you? Yeah, that feels, I mean, it feels right. Because I feel like the things that I follow that are passionate are just easy for me. Like it's easy for me to understand patterns and constructs and make things make sense from a relational lens, an emotional lens, a communication lens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's another important part of our design, which we call our strategy. It's basically how we're meant to make decisions. But I'm curious how yours lands with for you. So you are what we call an emotional decision maker, if anyone's looking theirs up. So it basically means that like you have a very strong gut response and you're meant to use that gut response for like all the kind of small decisions you make, like the visceral feeling in your belly. But for the big decisions, like you're really not meant to make decisions impulsively. Like for you, clarity is meant to come with time and it's so healthy to kind of sleep on things and really feel into things before you commit. Obviously in romantic relationships, like having a period of courtship is going to be so good for you. Um, But like, it's just something too. I know that I have a similar thing in my design. I was so impulsive most of my life. So it's been like a real practice to sleep on things and know that like clarity comes with time and not in the moment. Curious yeah, that's, for you. yeah, that's definitely, uh, I mean, in a day-to-day decision-making process, no problem on like the gut yeah. feel. Um, bigger life decisions, I do resonate with what you're saying in that I had been very impulsive, maybe following like excitement, you know? Yeah. But in the last, I'd say a couple years, I've definitely slowed, like taken more time with things, been more deliberate, been more intentional. Mm-hmm. And that certainly has, you know, I'd say made things better, made made things more conscientious in terms of decision making, which feels better. But it is a, an area of growth for me to slow down, to like 
take totally. the time. I feel like that's like molasses, you know? Mm. <laughs> it's like when someone's talking and they're like, and I was thinking, I'm like, what are you, a tree orc from Lord of the Rings? Like, let's speed it up here. Can I put you in? Even when I listen to books on Audible, I listen to them at 1.5 times speed. So that yeah. tells you. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's just, it is a practice. It's often not the way that most of us have been trained. But it's actually such a, I would really recommend if you look up your designs or your partner's designs or people you're dating to understand the differences because like you and I are emotional. So we need a lot more time. But like, you know, my partner is what we call sacral, which means he knows in the moment with every single decision. So like, I think that sometimes he knows so clearly in the moment. I'm like, oh, like I should. And it's like, wait, I don't actually know in the moment. Like I'm going to give myself a beat. Like some people are actually meant to be incredibly impulsive. We call these people splenic. They're just like intuitively in the moment. Splenic. It's weird. Splenic. It's basically all around kind of your spleen center in human design, which is all around your intuitive center. And the idea is that you have kind of these like impulsive, just like knowings in the moment. We call it your just like intuition, just like kind of a quiet knowing. And the work is to just act on them whenever you feel them to like not wait. And often those people are like, oh, I like feel like I need to sleep on things. But like actually being impulsive is the best thing they can do. Wow. So I know. And then there's some people that are meant to wait like um, a full 30 days before they make a big decision, which always feels so wild to me. This is true for reflectors, but they always seem to understand it when I talk to them. There are some people that need to talk things out and their truth kind of becomes clear when they give it a voice. So there's just like lots of different ways of doing it. I think, yeah. Are they sub, like, are these sub categories of your main one? So in some ways, but like the authority is only certain kind of ways of making decisions are available for certain types, but it's not like you and I are both, I'm a projector, you're a generator, we're both emotional. So you could be a projector, generator, manifestor, manifesting generator and be emotional. But like, you know, certain ones, like in terms of talking things out, that's only possible for projectors. There is kind of like little branches and like reflectors, they only have one way of making decisions, which is kind of giving themselves that full 30 days to feel into things. I really have to sit in patience to talk things out. I do. Yeah. I, I can do it. Yeah. Because I know it's beneficial to my relationship and to the person wanting to talk mm-hmm. it out. But I'm like, okay, let's speed it up. <laughs> you know, like that's, I have to really sit in patience and understanding yeah. where I'm just like, okay, is there anything <laughs> else? You know, because at least I've been structured to learn how to communicate language right. and listen. Right. I was just on a business meeting before we got on the podcast and they were reviewing some sheets and I was in there like, I'm going to die. Like, this is killing me listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard for me sometimes, but I do. I was like, they've put in a lot of work for this. I have to pay attention. I'm very present. Yeah. And what's also interesting, because there's something else in our design called our um, definition. It's basically how we best process information. And so for you, you're like a very independent processor. So like, yeah, like you need to spend time like to feel into things to get clear, but like, you don't really need to like talk things out with people. You don't need to like be around other people. Like you're just kind of like naturally whole and kind of like in your own process. Whereas like some people like find wholeness by being around other people, you know? And so there's just like, there is a natural independence to you. It's kind of like self-contained. So I also can imagine like in those meetings, you're like, I'm kind of good. I already know what I want, you know? So it can manifest. In exactly really how ways. I felt today. Really? I was like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I just want to go. That's what I was thinking. I'm like a toddler in it. I'm like, okay. Like when people get yeah. into real high detail. Yeah. Oh, detail is like, my brain is like, bye. I'm yeah. gone. Do you have right. a high level review, please? Can we do? <laughs> well, you're just like, give me things to respond to. Like, give me something to have a gut response to. But like the detail is not going to be easy to kind of respond to in that way. I'm like, can you fit it in a tweet? Let's tweet yeah. this. That's best. <laughs> That's obviously best. Yeah. So yeah, so decision making is cool. And, and that, I mean, again, it's just like giving us permission to be ourselves more than anything else. Okay. So what else is there? 
So there's another interesting part of design. So if we look at it, and have you seen a human design chart before? I've seen the like little body form that, yeah. that you sent me. Yes, right. So there's basically this kind of how the energy moves in our body. And there are going to be areas in our design that are kind of colored in. And that's where we're kind of drawing our energy from. So for you, it's all around drawing your energy from your gut, from kind of your emotions, this emotional depth that you naturally carry. And then we all have areas that are white and open. And the areas that are white and open are the areas where you are the most sensitive taking in other people's energy and often the areas where you can get the most taken off track. And so for you, you have seven out of the nine centers yeah, it's open. Yeah, like, shit, there's a lot open here. I don't know if this is good. <laughs> it is good because, if, I mean, there's no good or bad in human design, but I think that like it's a potential, like it's an area that can take you off track and I can walk you through some of those, but also it's like where you're here to be wise. You know what I mean? It's because you can experience like the full range of what's possible in that area of your life. So anywhere so. where there's a white space yeah. uh, in the almost, they look sure. like chakral charts or something. Exactly. Anywhere that's not colored in is where you're more open. So is that where you would be able to feel what someone else is feeling or think what someone else is thinking or what is that? Yes, exactly. And that's a really useful dynamic to know in partnership, because for example, if you look at that bottom right triangle facing inwards, if anyone has that and it's brown, you see that that's going to be the emotional center if anyone's looking. And it basically means that you're kind of always riding this emotional wave. And that's why you need time when you make decisions. But one of the areas in which you project your energy out into the world is your emotions, which means if you're like on an emotional high, people are probably going to really feel it. If you're on a low, they're going to feel it too. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I just did a podcast episode on my emotions and how I feel right now about everything. Yeah. Good, you know, but like if somebody has that center white and open, it means that they're actually taking in everyone else's emotions and amplifying it and experiencing it in a very intense way. And often can have a hard time discerning between what's theirs and what's not. So like, for instance, with my relationship, like I project out my emotions and my partner takes in all my stuff and intensifies it. And so it's been so useful to understand that dynamic because like when I'm on emotional low, he's just like, Aaron, like, see you later. Like, he's just like now knows that like, we don't need to talk through it because I just like, I'm feeling what I'm feeling. But like, he also like doesn't need to come and do it with me because he's just going to intensify it, you know? So it's been a really, so if you have that center open, it means that your gift isn't kind of mirroring back to people, their emotions, giving them language for them, but not kind of taking it on and personalizing it on as your own. Good. Cause I don't want other people's feelings. Yeah. Um, but some of the areas in which you're really open and sensitive. So one is around your identity center, which basically means that you're meant to have like a very fluid sense of identity. And I don't know if this is how you feel, but the idea is that like, you're not really meant to be just one thing. Like you're a little bit chameleon-like. Um, do you feel that? Yeah, I actually say, always hold on to the, always allow your identity to be fluid. I literally use that exact sentence all the time, because if you cling to anything, you'll, you won't bring in information. You won't allow information that might contradict it. you know, and again, like, and some people might have a more fixed identity, but like for you, it's just like your gift is in the fluidity and teaching people that, you know, that feels like you so being in the wisdom of that, like the shadow of that would be like, I've got to just like find out who I am. I've got to find the perfect Mm. partnership, the perfect job. Like I've got to just figure out who I am. And the wisdom is like, who am I today? You know what I mean? And like, who am I tomorrow? And it's going to keep changing and adapting. And like the work is to just like, let it be fluid and not try to be just one thing. And like, and you can, t- because that center is open for you, you can actually teach so much, which it sounds like you're doing on like how to really embrace the fluidity of your identity. And you can actually kind of mirror back to other people, their identity and like help other people kind of get clear on their sense of direction. Well, that sense of rigidity in terms of self is such a prison. It can be, as you said, yeah. the shadow side of it, mm-hmm. the like shadow side of that rigidity is that we're, if we're not open to other parts of ourselves, we're not open to other parts of other people. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have compassion for different views within ourselves or contradictory yeah. views. 
uh, we won't have the same compassion for another person, which is pretty hard to be in a relationship when you're not open to another way of being. Totally, totally. You know, and like, and you've got like, you know, you got fluidity everywhere. Like one other piece I'd mentioned about that center is also you're somebody who's very sensitive to your physical space. So I don't know if that's a thing that you feel, but like, you really got to just be in spaces that feel good. Like make sure your home feels good, your office feels good, your city feels good, like wherever you are, because you're going to take in that space. So like the example I gave with the reflectors, like if you go to a restaurant or hotel and it doesn't feel right, like my recommendation is to just like go, it's like going to be a little bit harder to have the right experiences and attracting the right people when it's not actually the right space. Yeah. I mean, home is so important. Yeah. Feeling of all those things. Yes, I agree. That's a, yeah. such a necessary because it's where it all begins for me, at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, you know, in some of the areas when you're open again, it sounds like you're in the wisdom of them. One is like a tendency of the shadow is like to hold on to things for too long, like just because they feel like safe and known and secure, not because they're actually right for you. And the wisdom is being super adaptable. It's like, I'm going to just like let go of things when it's time. And then like, I'm going to, you know, say yes to the right things, but never hold on with this like kind of like underlying sense of like insecurity or rigidity. Yeah, I have definitely held on to things that intuitively it's like, hey, uh, it's time to let go. I've been mm-hmm. in a relationship with those things. That's the, you know, being in a relationship mm-hmm. with someone where I'm like, uh, I should probably go. It's time to go. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> we should probably ride this out a couple more years and just hold on tighter. Hopefully we all learn from when we do that though. Exactly. And like, this is it's so funny. My partner's like, he was like, his last relationship, he's like, yeah, we're kind of breaking up for about three years. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> this constant process. So I think that like, Often when we are self-aware and doing work on ourselves, these things just happen so organically. You know what I mean? Like we might start being a little more clingy and holding on to things. And then we realize that really doesn't serve and know that like we're here to be a little more adaptable. You know, one thing you mentioned earlier, which around just like kind of seeing things from different perspectives, you also have like a very open mind, which means like you're here to see things from like lots of different perspectives, like kind of see the layers and nuances of things in a way that other people can't. And the shadow of that one is becoming too defensive, trying too hard to be certain. And the wisdom is just being like, I'm like have a very fluid mental process. Like my gift is seeing things from lots of different perspectives. I'm not really here to just like believe or do one thing because it's always going to be evolving. Yeah. When I was less uh, self-aware, I've defensiveness was for sure my way of protecting myself defensive Mm -hmm. i would say i'm a recovering defender you know it's like (laughs) because the initial in conflict with someone or like over a certain belief or thought uh, my initial response is often physically is to want to defend like say something that defends me but then realizing that there's no connection beyond defensiveness. So mm-hmm. being able to sit in that and be open-minded to other people. I used to be so rigid in my own thoughts and beliefs, for sure. Yeah. Like, this is the way it is. Science says this, you know, like all that kind right. of stuff, which we see that battle occurring all the time now totally. about every subject that is divisive, where yeah. there's always research for both sides for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's just, are you willing to take in the information? Um, Yeah, that's interesting. And some people are actually meant to be a bit more rigid, like more just like, this is what I believe. You know what I mean? And I think your gift and like, and I think that they sometimes can like put unconscious pressure, like you think in partnership of like making the other person feel like they need to be more certain than they naturally are because they're kind of like projecting that energy. But again, for you, it's just like, oh my God, my gift is in the fluidity. So again, that's just one example of so many that like, we're just like configured so differently, you know? And so life becomes easier when we just honor it. I love the framework of this because through something like this way of systemizing ourselves or understanding a way we can be systemized, it invites that inquiry of, oh, am I like that? Which if you're starting to ask those types of questions, it's great. What I find is interesting about horoscopes is we tend to be like, yeah, yeah, like I'm a Scorpio. 
So when yeah. someone's like, oh, here's all the, oh, of course you're a Scorpio. Here's the things. And then when it comes to the bad stuff, we're like, meh, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know about those. Of course, I think humility is one of the things with Scorpios, uh, a lack <laughs> of. Um, but I'm curious in the context of my human design or human design yeah. in general, but I'm more than open going into mine. What is, uh, what am I prone to as like a shadow element or like a, yeah. So where's one, my darkness lie? Yeah. Okay. So one is just like saying yes to too many things. Like yeah, you've just definitely got, done you, that poor boundaries you know, historically, you know, and it's just like, and this is true for all generators and manifesting generators. It's like, because you have this amazing, like magnetic energy and vitality to create, people want to take advantage of it and not in a malicious way. They just like want to be around it and for you to do this thing and this. So like, just knowing that you serve when you are only saying yes to the things that truly excite you. You also might have a little bit of a tendency to be in too much of a hurry or in too much of a rush. Yeah, so hundred percent. These are so, nailing it right now. So Fucking much, nailing it. So much of your work is just being really conscious about what's worth hurrying for and what's not, and not applying a sense of urgency to everything that you do, which will burn out your adrenals like crazy. The second one we talked about this a little bit, holding on to things for too long. This kind of like sense of like this is just feels safe and known and secure, even though it doesn't actually feel right for me anymore. There can be a tendency to try to prove yourself and like yeah, not nailing believe it. that we're batting a hundred here. <laughs> okay, good. So the, that one is basically just like, you know, not like comparing yourself to others, but also having a vacillating sense of self-esteem. Like you might feel amazing about yourself one day and like less the next day. And then you just like overcommit and overcompensate. And the work with this one is knowing that you've got nothing to prove. Um, the one I mentioned before, again, is a tendency to always be searching to try to figure out who you are. The gift is like, or the wisdom is being like, I don't need to figure out who I am. I'm changing every day. And that is my magic. I've just got to be in the right place. Another potential shadow for you is that you've got a very fluid way of communicating, but the shadow of this one is like initiating communication, like trying to be seen and not trusting that attention will come to you. And so much of your gift is giving attention to other people and trusting the invitation will come. And not planning what you're going to say. Like if you spend a lot of mental energy trying to figure out what you're going to say, you might be incredibly surprised at what actually comes out of your mouth. I don't prepare uh, my talks anymore. Um, I haven't for a while, actually. And the other side of that is uh, wanting to initiate mm -hmm. my grade six report card. But this was on almost all my report cards. But this is from my grade <laughs> six one. I remember it because I found it and I started reading it. And it was so funny. It said, Mark feels the need to give his unsolicited opinion about <laughs> others in class. And then it said, like, please reduce the number of unsolicited comments. And then the next semester was like, Mark has reduced the number of unsolicited. And then the last one was like, Mark has increased the number of... of That's amazing. Yeah, it was like, teachers in junior high won't tolerate this kind of... It was like, get fucked, you know? I'm going to just laugh at it now. But the shadow side of that is that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of like wanting to be heard, shadow side yeah. initiation. Um, totally. And so I was talking too much, just like not trusting the attention will come. I have a podcast. Yes, agreed. <laughs> Initially, when I started my podcast, I got, I mean, I had mic issues and recording issues. So there was like a delay where I would, because there was a delay between you speaking and me speaking, I would speak, well, but it would, it was in a natural pause in the conversation, but it wouldn't, it would be delayed. So it would be like, I'm interrupting you every time. Mm. Um, and so I, a lot of feedback I got was like, let them finish. Let them. Yes. I'm like, I hear you. I've been working on this my whole life. It's not just a podcast issue. Ah! So well, it's interesting because the people that haven't, we call this if you have an open throat, it basically means you actually feel a pressure to speak. 
And so, so much of the work is like sitting with that pressure Mm -hmm. and not reacting to it. It's like finding a place within yourself where you're very comfortable and quiet. So you're never speaking to fill that silence. I'm practicing right there. Yeah. I I always say that everyone's like, I'm not talking. I'm like, Um, I'm like Yoda right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I love what you said about not planning, because I think for the people that have this, like the gift is that you can express yourself in so many like beautiful fluid ways, like, and basically say exactly what needs to be heard when you're actually invited in to share it. And so like when you give a talk to actually just like go up there and like, just say what needs to be heard for that specific audience. Like there's such magic in that, but like planning it and trying to be more rigid is probably not going to work as successfully for you. No, I don't like planning. Planning is really hard for me. It feels like a prison of a future, you know? And I'm like, of course, there's some things that you like guide your way towards. Um, But yeah, like locking down for like future plans sometimes where I'm like making a commitment to a date about something. And I'm like, man, that's a long ways away. Who knows what's going to happen? Exactly. Corona. Right. And also like, who knows what I'll be in the mood for? You know what I mean? Like maybe I won't be in the mood then. It's just like, you, yeah, taking a beat always one more area where you can get taken off track. You want to hear it? Yeah, I mean, right now. Yes, I do. Because we're <laughs> killing it here. Okay. The one the one I mentioned already was becoming too defensive, not allowing yourself to be fluid. And then the last one is around like, basically, you're here to be so inspired and have all the ideas. But the potential shadow of that is to just like lose focus and feel super scattered. And just like your mental energy can go in a lot of different places and kind of like letting the whims of your mind govern your energy. And then you just like lose focus. And so like these people often thrive having like very simple structure. It's like, these are the two to three things I have to get done today. And then I'll leave myself time to get inspired in between. But like, if you just like let your mind guide the way you're going to go in a lot of different directions. Yeah. Um, like, I think they call that ADD now. But for me, that they is exactly. exactly, it's like, well, so many people that have this, yeah, have been diagnosed with, and I'm not saying that like, but it's just like, they just need to find the tools to work with it. I think it's a real thing, but you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm indifferent on the, whether it's a real thing. <laughs> there's a, I don't know enough, there's yeah. a, well, I'm sure it is for some people. So if you think it's yeah. a real thing, it's a real thing. Perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's all that matters is that you think it's a real thing, but the, oh. there's a great talk from a guy named Sir Ken Robinson. It's the most watched yeah. Ted talk, right? The one, uh, what's it called? Uh, our school's ruining our creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in it, he says like, uh, he gives an example of a young woman who was a dancer, but was in school. And anyways, he, I remember he has a line in it when he said, uh, you know, she was just a dancer and that's what she was born to do. But we might diagnose her with ADD now and put her on drugs to change who she is. Um, but that diagnosis wasn't available then. That's what he says. It's a very yeah. interesting, controversial line, but it is also the most watched TED Talk. So there must be some yes. validity in what yes. he's saying or else it wouldn't resonate with us. And I also just think that in general, and this is what human design is helping me with, is like so often we've made ourselves wrong for the things that are actually our gifts. You know what I mean? It's like, even when you got manifesting generators, like they're here to do all the things at once, but they basically spend their life being like, I'm doing too much. I'm not finishing enough. I'm moving too fast. And it's just like, that is your gift. Like do all the things, but like, don't expect anyone to keep up with you, you know? So I think that yeah, like, it's true. just, it's just, I think that we often haven't felt permission to just like be who we are and human design, like having a stranger just reflect it back and kind of give you the tools to step into it tends to just like make it a bit easier. Well, I often think like, of course, um, things like diagnoses can be important, um, but yeah. I think we can become trapped by things like that. Cause you think of, um, if we just accepted that some people have a hard time sitting in a chair and they are taken away by the beauty of life and it's hard for them to maintain attention to certain things. I mean, gosh, what we call human being normal, quote unquote, 
can be such a prison because if we're not in that box, then we see ourselves as abnormal, which then becomes a source of shame when there's so much room for so much complexity of the human experience. What is there? Two billion combinations of human design? Like that's that's fucking nailing it. Two billion different ways you can be and you get the right to be however you want. Totally. And the whole, and it's funny, like the traditional name of human design is called like the science of differentiation, which I like don't often use, but the idea is just like, we're all different. And like, we've got to just operate in ways that allow us to honor those differences because that's where we really like honor, like step into our unique potential. But like when we try to be all the things that we're not, it's just like hard to actually be able to like step, like get into our potential, you know, and really experience the things that we have the capacity to. Well, I think when we have a hard time with someone else's potential being different or their complexity, it's because we don't give ourselves permission for our differences and our complexity. Because totally. both of those, like, if you and I are both in rigid roles that we were taught to be, if we were like raised Christian or something, no offense, Christians, but hey, sometimes that in those rigid roles of like what it means to be a man or a woman or the gender roles mm-hmm. that we we'll have a hard time being flexible with someone else's flexibility because we don't get it. We're like, why should you get to do that thing? You know what? No. Yes. Little do they know if they upload their human design, they'll learn that the shadow side is that rigidity. Right. And you get triggered by it. Like I mentioned that piece earlier of like you being naturally independent and having this like natural, just like wholeness, self-containment to your energy. People can be threatened by that independence. It's like, why don't you need me more? Why don't you need me more? Whether it's like in relationship or business or whatever the thing is, but it's like, it's so important to be around people that like honor that independent part of you and see it as a gift, you know, but we really can get so triggered by these things. And I think why it's so fun to do partnership sessions and sitting with partners is like, you just stop taking things personally. You're just like, oh, I see exactly what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, let's stop making each other wrong for it. Yeah, it reminds me of love languages, like the five different love totally. languages. That, like, just because I don't show love in this or receive love in the same way as you or show it in the same way, doesn't mean I don't love you. But of course, like our hardest, most difficult stretch is to love someone in our lowest love language, which is usually what our partner's highest is, which is kind of fucked up. You know, it's like, I'm not into public displays of affection. And they're like, I love physical touch, (laughs) you know? And you're like, fuck, so you gotta (laughs) hold your hand in public. And that's where I'm like, I'll hold hands everywhere. I don't care. But Mm -hmm. for some other people, that kind of stuff can be very like, oh no, Mm -hmm. which is fair. You have, we all have the right to that. So it's that experience of like, can you receive it and give it? And can you be flexible in our understanding and our and our way of being? Totally. And like, you know, it extends to all the things where it's like understanding our partners is so useful, understanding our colleagues and the people that work for us, understanding our kids. Like, it's just like, it just is so limitless. And it's like, we're all different and life becomes so much easier when we just like know how to communicate to those differences. I really like that idea of doing like a family uh, so human fun. design. Well, you're basically giving kids permission to be who they are from day one. You know what I mean? Which is like really empowering because how you're going to parent a generator kid versus a projector kid versus a manifestor kid is just going to be really different, you know? And I think that like, we're just often trying to put people into a box. When I, what I think this speaks to too, from whether you're listening and you're like, I'm not into human design or I'm open to this or I'm not, or I am, or I love it. It doesn't matter what it speaks to is that if you're just open to the individuality of the person that you're relating to, if you're open to their way of being, their their, uh, different way of expressing, I mean, that alone is the gift. Just that specific thing, knowing that each kid needs to be parented a little. I mean, 
one of my best friends, each one of his boys, one is like quiet and unassuming. The other one's terror, but like in a great way, he's like a little bulldozer. He's like a storm wherever he goes. He's yelling like the kid on Home Alone. You know, it's great. And the other one's like, you're so loud. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, and that's exactly it. It's like, even when I go in and work with teams, it's like, you don't need to believe anything I'm saying, but like at the very least, it's giving us a language and a framework to understand the fact that we operate differently and life might become a little bit easier if we start to honor that, you know? So yeah, I think just like honoring the individuality is like the biggest probably lesson that human design has to offer and also to get out of our heads and not use that to make decisions, trusting our gut, whatever it is. Cross-functionally do teams, uh, do you do like team profiles and stuff like that? Yeah. So you can basically like, so with human design, you can look at individuals, like we're looking at yours. You can look at partnerships. So kind of layering two partners on top of each other, but you can also look at teams. What actually got me into human design in the first place is I came from so many dysfunctional team environments at startups. And I was like, there's just got to be a better way. And so you can basically engineer teams based on human design and even just like give them a blueprint of like how you're designed to function best. Like this person needs a lot more freedom. This person needs to like be communicated to in this way. This person needs to be invited into things. So again, it's just like so tactical and so useful in terms of like, we spend a lot of our lives working and with people. And if we really start to like put that person like where they can actually fully succeed, it's just so magical. And also will probably make you a lot more money too. Yeah, right. And I think a lot of workplaces, they really are just often going along, not being so conscientious about the different ways of being with, even within a team. Teams are complex. I mean, they're families ultimately. And companies, when they get really large, are very complex. And they're complex human systems. And that's, you can't stop that. And the system will continue to operate either proactively and high functioning or unconsciously and often in a shadow toxic way. Exactly. And it's so funny because actually when I talk about like layering the teams, like charts on top of each other, it's the same thing as a family. It's like the actual, like the same software. It's just like, you know what I mean? So it's just like, of course, but again, it's just like becoming conscious of it and strategic about it. Just like is going to benefit probably everyone. As soon as we realize that love exists, no matter what the structure, that there's still love between people in the workplace. We're just so afraid that if we use the word love in a workplace, that people are going to fall in love and have sex. And Let's be honest, that happens at work because love exists at work. You know, that happens at Mm -hmm. work when we're not mindful of all of our systems in our life and how we show up in every area of our life. We often will um, experience some dysfunction in other areas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also what's so cool is like when you start to find that alignment in one place, whether it's at work or in a relationship, like it's true in every area of life. You know, I feel like it's like I'll sit with like a CEO and they're like, oh, but this really reminds me like how I'm interacting with my daughter and my wife. I'm like, yeah, you know? And so it's just like the operating in alignment with our design is going to literally bring us into alignment in every part of our lives. Agreed. I believe that on every level of every type of healing. Yes, exactly. So how do people find you and more about this? Yeah. So um, I'm Erin Claire Jones everywhere. So on Instagram, my website, I do a couple of things. I have an offer called The Blueprint. I'm happy to do a discount for your audience if you want, but it basically, I just sent you one, but it's a 30 page PDF on your unique design. So it basically like covers everything you need to know and like tools to really step into it. It's kind of like, we come into this like without an operating manual and human design just like literally gives us the manual. Um, and then I do sessions, partnership sessions, team sessions, individual sessions, all the things. Awesome. And how would people from my audience get a discount code? Well, you tell me what you want the code to be and I'll set it up. Let's make the code love. Create the love. love. That's easy. Create, create the love. love. Create the, the code love. is create the love. Um, and I'll, I'll send you the link, but the website is AaronClaireJones.com slash blueprint. And it's Aaron, E-I-R-N, Claire, C-L-E. 
A-I-R-E, Jones, J-O-N-E-S, yeah. just for everyone listening, because there's a lot of ways to spell those first two. Yes, 100%. Perfect. So we'll link everybody out and so people can get a little more information on this, maybe find out their own design, get their partnership design done. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for sharing this information today. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you.